The following podcast contains adult themes and is suitable for mature audiences only. Hello and welcome to Lyrics of Their Life, the podcast that talks about the extraordinary lives lived by those that wrote or performed the songs we know and love. I'm your host Adam Hampton and in today's episode we'll be exploring the life and music so far of Mike Posner. Mike Posner started his life in Detroit, Michigan and landed a career as a pop singer through the hit song Cooler Than Me. Mike had quite an arrogant swagger about him in his early days as he was touted as the next big superstar in music. But after a number of life-altering events took place in his own personal life and in relation to his career, Mike Posner gave up alcohol, drugs, fame and his ego for meditation, performing free gigs and embarking on an inspiring journey of self-discovery. As he trekked across America and climbed the summit of Mount Everest, reaching milestones he never thought were possible and breaking away from an industry that he felt was suffocating the real him. This is the story of Mike Posner. This is Lyrics of Their Life. Mike Posner was born Michael Robert Henry on Posner on the 12th of February 1988 in Detroit, Michigan in the United States of America. Mike was raised in Southfield, Michigan, which at the time was a middle-class northern suburb of Detroit. Mike was raised by his Catholic mother, Roberta, and his father, John, who was a Jewish man who worked as a criminal defense lawyer. Mike was raised with his sister, Emily, who was six years older than him, and she herself would go on to work as a civil rights attorney. Mike revealed in a self-confessional YouTube video called Draw My Life that when he was born, he had rough, dry skin, so his sister would often tease him and call him Lizard Boy. Mike described himself as a sensitive kid who would often cry a lot but had a good heart and that he was always soft-spoken and was raised well by his parents. Mike had a rather normal childhood and as a child he enjoyed drawing and dreamed of becoming an astronaut one day. Mike studied at Bingham Farm Elementary School where he befriended some kids named Nick, Ben and Josh, where the four of them would play and watch sports like gridiron, ultimate frisbee, basketball and hockey together. Mike and his friends would pretend they were playing for the Detroit Red Wings ice hockey team as they imagined scoring the winning goal in the playoffs. In second grade, however, all three of Mike's friends moved away and he was left to find a new group of friends, admitting once again that his emotional side got the better of him. Mike spent his upbringing watching cartoons such as the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Recess. He loved the movie Donnie Darko and was a huge fan of superheroes, including Iron Man, Superman and The Flash. Mike would often hang out with his friends and play basketball in the street and ride their bikes around the neighbourhood. He described Southfield and Detroit as a magical place and he loved growing up there. At age 9, Mike shared his first kiss with a girl at Bingham Farm Elementary, and at age 10, Mike happened to make a new group of friends where one time at a sleepover with them, he got introduced to freestyle rapping and began creating his own freestyle raps. 
Mike became quite the skillful rapper, and despite his friends introducing him to the art form, he remained the only one of his friends to continue with the newfound hobby. Many of Mike's cousins also rapped, which inspired him further. It would be around the age of 10 that Mike would also start playing the drums. Growing up, Mike listened to a range of artists, including the notorious B.I.G., Eminem, The Killers, Paul Simon, Eric Clapton, Outkast, Sam Cooke, James Blunt, The Roots, Bruce Springsteen, Nate Dogg, Prince, Moss Def, Jay Diller, and Taleb Quelly, as his favourite genres range from pop to hip-hop. Mike next attended Berkshire Middle School in Beverly Hills, and by the age of 13, he started creating his own beats on his mother's computer, as well as playing covers, writing poetry, and songs in his journals. He also taught himself how to play piano and keyboard when his mother bought him a keyboard from Best Buy. With this keyboard, Mike was able to hook up the keyboard up to the computer and record himself playing, which excited him as he could create the perfect beat and save it for later. Mike later attended and graduated from Groves High School in Beverly Hills, where he was quite a solid athlete, especially in cross country and track and field sports. Mike usually got along with everyone from all sorts of social groups, but described himself as a floater. He also made the school basketball team, but was hardly ever picked and was often sat on the bench for the entire game as the coach thought he was too small and that he wasn't good enough. This devastated Mike, as to him basketball was everything. This feeling of not being good enough would be ever-present in Mike's teen years and even into adulthood as he struggled with severe depression. He said, quote, Every day seemed awful to me. I remember thinking that school didn't matter, my friends, teachers and parents didn't matter, and most of all, I felt like I didn't matter. I didn't see the point in life. Mike struggled day to day to keep on going, but through music, and most notably freestyle rapping, Mike found it as the perfect coping mechanism and continued writing raps and competing in rap battles in the area, and at his high school, where he says that he never lost. Although Mike regularly got good grades, he didn't particularly enjoy school itself. While at school, Mike worked a range of jobs to support his dreams, as he was quoted as saying, I was a paperboy first, then I worked at a movie theatre, but I was a caddy at a golf club, which I didn't like. The people were so bogey and racist at times. Getting to these jobs was made easier when he was gifted his auntie's car at the age of 17, which was an 87 Volvo, with Mike stating, My great aunt Dorothy, she gifted to me her 87 Volvo, and it was a really cool car in 87. The only problem was, I got it in like, 2005. During Mike's high school days, he bought himself a good quality microphone and recorded his own mixtape or CD called Reflections of a Lost Teen, which included nine solid hip-hop tracks. Mike sold the CD for around $10 out of his car boot and would occasionally busk on the street to help sell his album. From here, the mixtape started earning Mike a following, and interest in the young musician started to grow as he made $1,700 off sales from the CD. This exposure also led Mike to get a job as an intern at a local downtown Detroit radio station that played predominantly R&B and hip-hop style music. It was while Mike was working here, and still in high school, that he met a fellow hip-hop hopeful named Sean Anderson, aka Big Sean, who was the same age as Mike. Sean himself was a rapper who had won local rap battles and was attempting to make it in the industry also. 
Sean had heard Mike was a decent producer and invited him to come check out his work back at his parents' house, where Sean was blown away with Mike's mixtape. Mike would enter into the music industry as a record producer, where the pair worked on a couple of tracks together, such as a track called Different, which ended up going onto Mike's mixtape, Reflections of a Lost Teen. Mike and Sean quickly became best friends, and Sean had Mike join his crew, called Finally Famous. Mike would feature on Big Sean's debut track, Yagum, and produce Big Sean's first mixtape for him, supplying the beats using his computer and keyboard. When both Sean and Mike were 17, Sean, who was an aspiring hip-hop artist, got his big break when he was discovered by Kanye West. After hearing that Kanye West was appearing on a local radio station, Big Sean headed down to meet him, and after persuading a reluctant Kanye to hear what he had to offer, Sean impressed Kanye and laid down a freestyle rap for him before handing him his demo tape that Mike had helped produce. But as promising as Big Sean was, he wouldn't really hear back until another two years later after Big Sean started making more of a name for himself in the local Detroit area. Big Sean was set to go to Michigan State University, but Kanye West had told him not to worry about it as he was destined to be a rapper. So Big Sean instead decided to remain in Detroit and bide his time. After graduating from high school in 2006, scoring a GPA of 4.4 out of 5, Mike attended Duke University in Durham, North Carolina, making the 13-hour drive away from his hometown of Michigan. It was here where Mike studied and graduated with a bachelor's degree in sociology, scoring a GPA of 3.6 out of 5, saying it was much harder than high school. During Mike's studies at Duke University, he took a keen interest in songwriting and music production and befriended a number of individuals in the music industry. Mike also began writing his own songs, with the track Cooler Than Me stemming from his college days, where he was a member of a fraternity called Sigma Nu that had been around since 1869. As Mike was away at university, his friendship with Big Sean started to become tested when Sean began having his music produced by others, including the producers called Right Tracks, instead of with Mike. This upset Mike deeply, and he was admittingly jealous of Right Tracks, as Mike and Sean had had a great working chemistry. Then in 2007, two years after Kanye had met Big Sean, Kanye West signed Big Sean to his own record label called Good Music, as Big Sean's career would take off from here, scoring himself five successful albums and a number of hip-hop hits across a range of US charts over the years. Making matters worse, Right Tracks, who were the producers of Big Sean's demo tape, also got signed as producers to Kanye's label, and therefore they would produce for Sean, leaving Mike out to dry. Although Mike was happy for Big Sean and Right Tracks, he was also devastated and felt like that could have been him if he had have stayed in Detroit, skipped university, and continued to work with Big Sean. With Big Sean getting signed and feeling as though Right Tracks had taken his place, this left Mike to become badly depressed and he questioned if he would ever catch his big break. But he managed to take inspiration from Big Sean to make it. Mike decided that the one thing he needed and wanted to do was to connect with his fans, so he set a rule for success and life that he would stick by that read, relate, love and inspire. With the help of many cans of Red Bull energy drinks, Mike started working tirelessly on his music in his dorm room as he continued to work on beats to the style of what he would usually produce for Big Sean. 
Mike found that the best times to record were when everyone would go out and party, and Mike had the dorm to himself with little background noise. Then Mike had a brilliant idea and started sending his demo tapes off to campus parties to get his music out there. And it worked, with students starting to walk around campus singing along to his songs. Sometimes he would just go along to the parties to watch how people reacted to certain songs, and if they seemed to like it, he would explore that style of music further. With the campus seemingly enjoying his music, Mike sent hundreds of his original beats and songs to Big Sean via email, with Sean using just one or two for his records every year. Feeling as though his music was quality and frustrated with just one or two songs being picked up here and there, Mike took himself to New York and started bringing his demos to record labels but received unanimous no's all across the city. Mike had brought them a selection of his original beats that had his own raps to them, but he realised that no one was really into it, other than a couple of kids on campus, so he needed to come up with something different, or something that really hasn't been done before, to gain their attention. That's when Mike decided to try something unique, where he would sing his rap lyrics with melody instead of just rapping them. In 2008, at the age of 20, Mike first discovered that he had a good voice and it was the first time he had ever thought about singing seriously. He later said on MTV, I'm kind of like a rapper, trapped in a singer's body. That was the whole idea of me starting to sing in the first place. It took me a long time to stumble upon a sound and I figured it out. I wanted to kind of sing rappers lyrics. The first song Mike recorded to his newfound style was called Cooler Than Me which he wrote at the age of 20. In 2008, Mike produced and recorded his second mixtape called A Matter of Time, working on it with Don Cannon and DJ Benzi, and it featured 12 pop, hip-hop and electro-pop tracks, with 11 of these being written by Mike Posner himself, including the track Cooler Than Me, and collaborations with Big Sean and Don Cannon, and a great remix of Halo, made famous by Beyonce. All of these tracks were produced in Mike's dorm room while at college, and the mixtape was released during February 2009. Mike released A Matter of Time under the artist name Mike Posner and The Brain Trust, Brain Trust being the name of the band Mike briefly formed. Mike had decided to use a unique but witty tactic and uploaded the mixtape as a free download to iTunes U, which is usually used for educational audio content such as university lectures, and wasn't meant to be used for uploading music. But with Mike and his buddy's intelligent thinking skills, they found a loophole in the system and uploaded the mixtape. Mike himself admitted to downloading Kanye West and Lupe Fiasco's music through free illegal downloading, and knew if he did that for free, then no one would want to buy his own album, as he was still a nobody. Despite the unusual release method, it worked wonders, and soon enough, Mike Posner's mixtape had rose to number one on the iTunes U charts. The track Cooler Than Me in particular quickly took off on the internet, becoming popular all around the world, bringing in interest from record labels. This gathered the attention of J Records of Sony and RCA Records, who decided to sign Mike Posner by July 2009. The clever masterstroke had paid off. After being signed to a record deal just one year into his university degree, Mike decided to continue with his studies and toured, performed and bust on the weekends. This was all before jumping into the studio to record his upcoming debut album. 
However, on the 28th of October, Mike Posner released his third mixtape, featuring 12 tracks this time around, and was called One Foot Out The Door, as a lead-up promotional piece to his debut album. Included on the mixtape were two hit songs that Mike remixed, including Kiss Me Through The Phone, Made Famous By Soldier Boy, and Don't Trust Me, Made Famous By 303. Just from these tracks alone, it was clear to see the talent that Mike possessed, and that he had great skills as a producer. Once again, Mike would make these tracks free to download, this time on iTunes itself, and strategically spread his talents around the world. The free mixtape was even accompanied by a web series of videos promoting the mixtape and Mike's upcoming debut album, with a behind-the-scenes look into his life, personality, and music production, which only helped build a deeper connection with his target audience, therefore recruiting more fans in the process. On the 15th of December, Mike dropped his first EP called The Cooler Than Me EP in the build-up to his debut album's release, featuring a track called Drug Dealer Girlfriend. While the lyrics to this track weren't at his best, they were however catchy along with the beat, and this earned Mike more attention, with the track becoming popular on iTunes. Although the electro-pop track Cooler Than Me was released to the public on Mike's mixtapes, it would become the lead single for his debut album, titled 31 Minutes to Take Off. Cooler Than Me was released as Mike's debut single on the 16th of April 2010 and was an instant hit going to number one in Belgium, the top five in six countries including Australia, Canada, the UK and New Zealand and peaking at number six in Scotland, Hungary and the US, selling over three million copies worldwide, going three times platinum in Australia and two times platinum in the US. Mike wrote cooler than me about his college days at Duke University, a particular girl that he was dating, and the different types of girls at the university that were quite snobbish that hardly wanted to get to know Mike, instead just turning a blind eye to him. He later stated about the track, quote, I can't tell you like after the song came out, how many girls from my past came out of the woodwork and were like, I know this song is about me. It's like, ah, oh, you're so vain. It's not about you. But now that you're saying that, it kinda is. Mike further elaborated when speaking to British writer Pete Lewis, stating, A lot of people don't know I recorded that song while I was still a student, and that I recorded it in my dorm room on an extremely cheap microphone. So to now be hearing it on the radio, in the streets, and over here is very special for me, knowing that I made it in such a makeshift manner, and while yes, it is about a specific girl in my class I had a crush on, though I'm not going to tell you her name, because she doesn't deserve any notoriety. It's also about a specific type of girl, because there are girls like that everywhere. You know, everybody knows that girl who thinks she's cooler than them, which is why I figured I'd just try to capture that moment of feeling snubbed. Because all of my songs are either driven by something that's happened to me, or by something I've felt on the inside. Mike captures the personalities of the vain and snobby university girls and his ex-girlfriend as they strut around in high heels and lay it in makeup in the lyrics when he sings, If I could write you a song to make you fall in love, I would already have you up under my arm. I used up all my tricks. I hope that you like this, but you probably won't. You think you're cooler than me. You got designer shades just to hide your face and you wear them around like you're cooler than me. And you never say hey or remember my name. And it's probably cause you think you're cooler than me. You got your highbrow, shoes on your feet. And you wear them around like you ain't shit. But you don't know the way that you look when your steps make that much noise. I got you all figured out. 
you need everyone's eyes just to feel seen. Behind your makeup, nobody knows who you even are. Who do you think that you are? On the 10th of August 2010, Mike released his debut album called 31 Minutes to Take Off. The album is quite diverse, but is largely based around the electro-pop sound, with Mike writing all 12 tracks and singing them to his rap lyrics, as he wanted to continue on with his newly discovered style, and he wanted the album to be like nothing else out there. Mike was also able to collaborate with the likes of Boys to Men and Blink-182's Travis Barker, and the main themes of the album focus on relationships, Mike's ex being unfaithful, the rise to fame, Mike's hometown, bringing people together, and sex. He stated about the album, quote, Where I grew up was a huge influence on my music. A lot of people have trouble putting into words what my music is, and it's because of where I grew up. It's a 21st century album, meaning that instead of listening to 12 different artists on your iPod, with my record, you could just listen to one. Because every song is refreshing, and different from the one before, and at the same time, better than the one before. Despite the hype around Mike Posner at the time, his album only managed to chart reasonably well in the US, peaking at number 8, selling 29,000 copies in the US, but worldwide has sold less than 300,000 copies to this day. Hoping to turn around the album's disappointing sales, Mike next released a track called Please Don't Go on the 9th of June 2010. The track was a minor hit around the world, reaching the top 20 in Belgium, New Zealand and the US. The single managed to sell over 1.5 million copies worldwide, but wasn't the follow-up hit Mike was hoping for, despite it being popular on radio. Mike worked with top producer Benny Blanco on the track and learned a lot from him, stating that he taught him how to, quote, how to really make a song build, how to make it get steadily bigger and bigger. Mike also wrote the song about the same ex-girlfriend, mentioning Cooler Than Me. During 2010, Mike would headline tours promoting his debut album on the Warp Tour and Up In The Air Tour, performing over 50 shows around the US. Mike would score another minor hit with the underrated smooth pop hip-hop track Bow Chicka Wow Wow featuring Lil Wayne and was released on the 3rd of February 2011. The track made it to number 21 in New Zealand, made the top 40 in Australia and 30 in the US, selling 1 million copies in the States alone. While the song was intended to cause no offence and was just a bit of fun, it was criticised for its sleazy lyrics and theme, where Mike and Little Wayne put on men's deodorant that instantly attracts females to them, by making them appear much more sexually attractive. Despite this, the song remains a fan favourite among his early era fan base. On the 7th of October 2011, it was announced by RCA Records that they would be shutting down J Records, which was the label Mike was signed to originally, meaning that he would now become a signed artist under RCA Records. Mike then proceeded onto his third headline tour, called the Layover Tour, which began in late 2011 and led into 2012. On the 28th of October 2011, Mike Posner collaborated with another rising talent at the time, with British pop star Sher Lloyd, for the track With Your Love. The bubbly and flirty pop song became a hit, reaching the top 5 in Ireland, England and Scotland, and even reached number 1 on the US bubbling under Hot 100. And despite being popular on the music video channels and radio at the time in Australia, it only charted at number 43. Mike helped write the track, which also featured him performing a Posner-style rap towards the end of the track. 
Mike spoke highly of working alongside Lloyd, stating, During my time with Sher, I worked with an incredible singer, and I don't think she gets enough credit for her singing ability, as she deserves. There's no auto-tune on there. It's just really, really great. But I think some people forget about that, because she can rap so well also. I don't see why she couldn't compete in the US. She's a great artist. On the 2nd of December 2011, Mike Posner released a track called Looks Like Sex that made it to the top 5 in Belgium, but once again it failed to chart well, worldwide, despite being popular on radio and adult contemporary charts. The track was once again criticised for its sexualised lyrics, similar to Bow Chicka Wow Wow, and was passed off as just another cheap pop song, despite being a great display of Mike's effortless, charming and calming vocals. Looks Like Sex would be released that same month on Mike's third mixtape called The Layover, which did quite well. Looks Like Sex was also expected to be released on Mike's second studio album that he had been working on called Sky High, carrying on the theme of Mike's love of aeroplanes and flying. But after much careful consideration, Mike decided that he didn't want to continue in the industry as a musician anymore. After having some successful releases, including Cooler Than Me, Mike was expected to do big things in music and was touted as a rising star in the industry. Mike would rock music videos with his cool swagger, charming party boy persona, soothing relaxed vocals and handsome looks that attracted many female fans. But this was a status that Mike wasn't overly comfortable or happy about was all seemingly a mask to hide his true personality, which is something Mike deeply struggled with. Since breaking onto the scene, Mike was expected to act like a star, often being told how to act, and to Mike, it just didn't feel right. Despite being signed to a huge record label, which Mike had dreamed of for most of his life, he still felt badly depressed and wondered why he didn't feel more excited and grateful for what he had now. He often felt like he was taking it all for granted and was struggling behind closed doors. With Cooler Than Me becoming massive around the world, Mike struggled with his new popularity and found it hard to adapt to his new lifestyle. He said, quote, I always thought that once I got a record deal, I would be happy, but I sure wasn't. I was still fighting my depression, and the world felt too big, too scary, and I wasn't comfortable with everyone liking me so much. I decided to quit being an artist. I felt like I just wasn't meant to be in the spotlight. As Mike was unsure what road to take next, and was frightened to step out of his comfort zone, he decided he would just write and produce music for other artists and take a break from being a solo performer. Mike would write and produce a range of tracks for other artists and feature on a couple himself. During Mike's break from the solo spotlight, he featured on Swedish DJ and producer Avicii's track, Stay With You, with the two becoming good buddies from here on out. The two actually first worked together when Avicii sought after Mike after being a fan of his work and needed a lyric for the track Levels, but Mike couldn't think of the perfect line, so Avicii opted for a sample instead from Good Feeling. The two worked together at least twice a year after this and remained very close friends. Mike would also go on to feature on four other tracks that failed to chart, but Mike's biggest success came when he wrote for other artists, including Big Sean, Big Time Rush, Wiz Khalifa, 2 Chains, Travis Porter, Austin Mahone, Sher Lloyd, Rixton, Nick Jonas, Nelly, and Pharrell Williams. Mike's biggest successes included co-writing and producing Justin Bieber's track, Boyfriend, which was released in March 2012 and became a number one hit in Canada and Lebanon and made it to number two in the UK and the US and number five in Australia, 
selling around 4.5 million copies worldwide. When working with Bieber, Mike said, Because I'm an artist myself, I can be pretty selective on who I produce for and who I make beats for, and really what I'm looking for is an amazing vocalist, somebody that can sing better than I can, and the other thing is somebody that's willing to not try to make something that succeeds within the matrix of what pop music is now, but make something that moves the matrix to where it is, and Justin was willing to take that leap with me. Later that year in October 2012, Mike Posner collaborated with British musicians Emily Sanday and Labyrinth to write the incredibly moving track Beneath Your Beautiful. Beneath Your Beautiful became the second number one hit that Mike had helped write, with it charting in the top spot in the UK as well as four other countries and made the top five in a further five countries including Australia and New Zealand, but only made it to number 34 in the US, selling 2 million copies worldwide. Despite writing for other artists and seeing those songs become huge global hits, Mike was still feeling badly depressed and still felt like something was missing. That was until one particular day, Mike was sat on a plane and the stewardess was serving sandwiches. Mike purchased one from the stewardess and as he bit into the sandwich, all of a sudden he had an epiphany and said, quote, I found out what my life's calling was. For now on, for every album I sell, I will serve a meal to a hungry American child. This newfound idea gave Mike a sense of direction and purpose, and he felt he was finally ready to return to performing as a solo artist, and in exchange, help those in need. In a huge turnaround for Mike, he began meditating, which helped him cope with his depression, and his life seemed to have all of a sudden be on the up. Mike then announced via Twitter, that his fans could expect him to return in June 2013 with his new solo album, titled Pages, which was in the works. Mike called the album Pages as he likes to write down all of his poems, dreams and songs down into his trusty notebook. Also returning the favour for Mike's new album were the artists that he had previously collaborated with or wrote songs for who decided to help revitalise Mike's solo career. On June 11th, 2013, Mike Posner released the promotional single called The Way It Used To Be. But unfortunately, the cheesy pop song turned out to be a flop and struggled to crack the mainstream top 50 worldwide. Once again, the song was about a lost love getting away and Mike's music seemed to be lacking the inspiration and variety that sees so many artists take their music to the next level. Every single after Cooler Than Me's success had sold increasingly less every time, and this wasn't a good look for Mike under the major label RCA Records. RCA Records decided to step in and the Pages album had now been pushed back to an October release date and was now instead just going to be released as an EP instead of a full album. On top of this, Mike had fallen from being a headliner on tour to a support act for Justin Bieber on the Believe Tour and for Kesha on her Warrior Tour. But the disappointment wouldn't stop there, when once again RCA decided to intervene and pulled the plug on the Pages EP altogether, and was canned by the label. Mike had already filmed a music video for his lead single, Caught On Top Of The World, which was a solid pop song featuring his friend Big Sean, so it was decided that it would be released as a standalone single in December 2013, but yet again, it failed to chart worldwide. Another track named My Light was released with a music video but wasn't a success despite being quite a good track with lyrics detailing Mike's struggles with fame as he sings 
All I wanted was a record deal, a couple dollars when I got it. I couldn't understand why I still had all my problems. All alone, couldn't find no help, and the stage ain't a good place to find yourself. So I started lifting weights, hoping if I got bigger, all my confidence would too. Didn't work, go figure. Big old chest, hole in my heart. Mike was ultimately devastated that Pages was shelved by RCA. Mike's big comeback had been torn to shreds, and his dream of giving a meal to every hungry American child, through album sales, was up in the air. As Mike was unable to release Pages, he instead took to the road and performed for a limited seven-show tour around the US from March to April 2014. During the shows, Mike performed for the first time unplugged with just his acoustic instruments and gave intimate performances of old, current and unheard of tracks that would have been featured on pages, while providing a Q&A for the audience as well as a backstory of his songs. Mike even returned home to Detroit for a show for the first time since his rise to fame began. After the tour, RCA Records decided to stop putting money behind Mike's tours and music, turning him into what the industry call a shelved artist, due to his lack of recent success. This would mean that Mike would still be signed to RCA Records, but was unable to release any new music, and under his contractual agreement, he couldn't get out of it. Mike felt stuck, and it was a horrible predicament to be in. He was unable at this point to sign anywhere else or release music himself, so instead Mike decided to sell one of his tracks, called Sugar, to American band Maroon 5, a song that otherwise would have been featured on his album Pages. Sugar would be placed onto Maroon 5's album 5, which was released in August 2014, and would become a smash hit for them, going to number one on a range of adult contemporary and radio charts around the world, and making the top five in the US and Canada, where it also went eight times platinum in the US with three million sales and sold close to eight million copies worldwide. Mike Posner yet again missed out on a huge hit that potentially could have been his had RCA let him release pages, and despite writing the song solely himself, the Maroon 5 band members added their names to the writing credits, taking all the royalties with them, a total kick in the guts for a songwriter. Mike felt stuck and continued to create music, even though he had no control over when it could be released. Mike realised that with every month that went by, without releasing new music and broken promises to his fans, he noticed that his popularity started to decrease rapidly, people were starting to forget his name, and there seemed like no end in sight. He was now being referred to as a one-hit wonder, which really ate at Mike. Mike revealed in part two of his Draw My Life video that he uploaded to YouTube, quote, After my first song Cooler Than Me became a big hit, my self-identity got very wrapped up in being young, rich and famous, and all of a sudden these words no longer applied to me. I felt emasculated, and I felt scared that if I wasn't popular, or my song wasn't on the radio, that no one would like me. On a certain level I was right. My phone rang less often, there were less interviews to conduct, and less concerts to play, and I found myself home alone, with a lot of time on my hands. Mike decided to put all of his time and built up passion and anger into music, and started playing piano for 4 hours a day, and even taught himself how to play guitar properly. 
Mike also studied singing and vocal performance to improve his vocal range with top vocal coaches Valerie Morehouse and Dave Stroud, both of which were located in LA with their own vocal training studios and combined had taught the likes of Sia, Avril Lavigne, Miley Cyrus, Sam Smith, Kelly Clarkson, Justin Bieber and Adam Lambert. Despite all of the heartache, Mike continued to write music as it was one of the only things that made him happy, despite the critics and media now labelling him as a has-been or a forgotten artist. While in a studio in LA with a friend of Mike's named Jake Owen, who was a country singer, the two played guitar together and sung each other a range of songs they had written. When Mike played one particular old song he had, Jake loved the track and asked what inspired the lyrics. Mike replied, it's about a girl I had a thing with in New York City and I mixed her story up with a girl I had a thing with in Ohio and some of it I just made up. Jake then provided Mike with some instrumental advice and said, why don't you just tell the truth? This question got Mike thinking and he thought to himself, why hadn't he just told the truth in songs before and wondered why he was making up things all the time. For Mike, he thought his life was rather boring and simple and that no one would really want to know about the more personal experiences in his life. But he realised that this was exactly where he was going wrong in the first place. He wasn't connecting with his audience, which was what he originally set out to do when he made up the rule of relate, love and inspire. Mike had just lost his way and become blinded by the conformity of the music industry and what he thought others wanted him to portray. Jake Owen's words that night got Mike thinking and on that very same night, Mike boarded yet another plane which he finds to be his main source of inspiration for writing lyrics and wrote a track that would eventually change his fortunes called I Took a Pill in Ibiza. Mike laid it all bare to see in this song with every aspect of the song being truthful and honest about Mike's struggles with fame and who he was as a person. Mike then thought of a tune for the song in his head and then converted it to his acoustic guitar, turning it into a beautiful raw stripped back track which was one of the first times he had gone full acoustic. Inspired to be truthful with his songwriting and feeling like he was onto something, Mike penned a whole album's worth of material all in the same mould and style. Mike was then relieved to be let go by RCA Records and was picked up by another successful label called Island Records who gave him a chance to work on a new album that would sadly shelve the Pages album for good and see Mike enter a new chapter of his career. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Hi everyone, and sorry to interrupt. I hope you're enjoying this episode, but I just wanted to take this opportunity to tell you four ways on how you can support the podcast and play your part in keeping it going so I can continue to bring you more great episodes. If you enjoy Lyrics of Their Life podcast, first of all, it would be greatly appreciated if you could subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. It's totally free to do. It just means that you will receive a notification when a new episode of the podcast becomes available. Secondly, you can leave the podcast a positive five-star review on iTunes as this helps the podcast reach a larger audience. Third of all, you can tell your friends all about the podcast or join us on our social media pages at Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. While finally, you can take your support one step further and head to our Patreon page and pledge your support to one of two of our plans for just $1 or $5 per month with no locking contract. Or you can pledge just a one-off payment for all the hard work that goes into creating the podcast. 
and you will receive a number of extra benefits to go with your donation. Or you can even buy me a beer for $5 at buymeacoffee.com forward slash lyrics of life pod. I am a totally independent podcast creator, meaning there are no large networks or businesses financially supporting my work. So your support would be greatly appreciated as it means I can continue creating more content such as biographies, the weekly muse, interviews and more as it takes a lot of time, resources and research to prepare and upload just one single episode. Links to Patreon and Buy Me A Coffee can be found in the show notes on our website at lyricsoftheirlife.com or on our Facebook page. Once again, I appreciate every one of my listeners for their support, no matter the form it comes in. Thanks for listening. Now let's get back to the episode. On the 22nd of June, 2015, under his new label, Mike Posner released an EP called The Truth that became generally popular, reaching 15 in Canada and 32 in the US. Despite it not being a massive hit album, Mike didn't seem to mind this time around and felt happy just to have some new material out with more raw, honest and personal songs that helped him to heal when he wrote them. The EP included four emotionally raw tracks unlike any Mike had released before. They included I Took a Pill in Ibiza, Be As You Are, Not That Simple and Buried in Detroit, with all four songs signalling a new alternative style and rejuvenated Mike Posner compared to his earlier pop-related work. Mike spoke to the website The Boombox about his newfound writing style at this time in his life, stating, I think a lot of people are scared to tell the truth in songs, especially when it's something that's not flattering about themselves. I was one of those artists. When I first started, I would always pretend I was perfect. That shit is so corny. Imperfect is the new perfect. I just try to keep it real in my lyrics now. I have to tell the truth. I think a lot of people in their late teens and early 20s think if I just get a dream job or money that that will fill the hole that I have in my heart. My parents always told me money doesn't buy happiness, but I always thought that was something that people who didn't have enough money say. I remember saying, man, I'll just get this deal and I'll be good. So I went for it and I got it, but it didn't make me happy. That's almost like succeeding in your goals and not getting filled up is almost a bigger problem than failing. That's what I went through, and that's what I've gone through for the last two or three years. The tracks on the Truth EP were incredibly deep and honest, with Be As You Are being pretty self-explanatory, as Mike encourages others to just be the person you were meant to be, and not to change for anyone, as Mike had once done, to fit into the pop star mould. Through the wise words of Mike's mother, he was able to pull through the tough times, as he sings some beautiful lines that read, Virginia Woof of Poetry. No one seemed to notice me. Being young was getting so old. Cheap beer and cigarettes. Life was like a movie set, and I seemed to be given no role. But in times of trouble, I can turn to my mother, and I know that she's gonna understand. So at age 18, I cried to my mother, and she told me, young man, there are moments when you fall to the ground, but you are stronger than you feel you are now. You don't always have to speak so loud. Just be as you are. Life is not always a comfortable ride. Everybody's got scars that they hide. And everybody plays the fool sometimes. Yeah, just be as you are. The track Buried in Detroit talks about Mike's love of his home city and that he hopes to be buried there next to his grandfather and one day his own father as that's where his heart belongs. While the sad track Not That Simple is a breakup song 
where Mike travels back to his days at Duke University and the time he split up with his girlfriend. Instead of being in the old Mike Posner love or breakup song mold, Not That Simple goes much deeper and is revealing, raw and structured in a more effective and relatable way, signalling Mike's songwriting ability had come a long way and that he had matured as an artist and as a young man. The first track from the EP was the acoustic original version of I Took a Pill in Ibiza that Mike wrote about the time he went to be with his good friend Avicii in Sweden when Mike was feeling down about his career going down the drain and found comfort in Avicii's support. The two of them started working on some tracks together while he was there and then the very next day Avicii had a gig in Ibiza and Mike decided to tag along with him where Mike stood in the crowd with the rest of the audience. Mike revealed that he felt jealous that Avicii's career was taking off at this point and that his career wasn't. Mike stood there watching his friend perform and felt like he wanted to be up there himself as the crowd went absolutely nuts for Avicii. Feeling hopeless, Mike ended up taking a pill without knowing exactly what it was and ended up tripping out. The track was also written about looking back on his career so far and the fall from grace that he endured as a one-time hitmaker turned washed-up pop star hitting the life of booze, drugs, women and fast cars. Mike elaborated on the meaning behind the song and was quoted as saying, It was sort of a mystery pill. I was already under the influence of alcohol at the time. I had written a song with Avicii that week in Sweden called Stay With You and he was playing in Ibiza so I said, I'll just go there with you because I was already in Europe. I don't have like a regular 9 to 5 job so might as well go to Ibiza right? I had never been there before so I went. We were at this show and I was drinking at the time. I just sort of moseyed out into the audience to watch Avicii spin from their point of view. I would go back and forth between the backstage and the VIP area and then where the actual kids were. And most people didn't know who the heck I was in Ibiza except for this one guy who recognised me. He was like, are you Mike Posner? And he was all excited. He holds up this little bag of pills and is like, you want one? And drunk Mike Posner was like, fuck it, yeah. So I took one and I'd never done that before and then I felt amazing. Then when I came down I felt 10 years older. Mike later stated that the pill was most likely ecstasy but he wasn't so sure. After the gig, Mike wrote the song and played it for Avicii on acoustic guitar and Avicii was very impressed and said, that's one of the best songs you've ever wrote. The lyrics in the track describe how Mike felt at the time, like it has been, and it was a very open and honest self-reflection which most artists would struggle to open up about. In the song, Mike explores his darkest moments. He explains that the life of a pop star isn't all it's cut out to be and that he found himself being wrapped up in all the material things in life. As Mike sings, I took a pill in Ibiza to show Avicii I was cool and when I finally got sober, felt 10 years older, but fuck it, it was something to do. I'm living out in LA, I drive a sports car just to prove that I'm a real big baller because I made a million dollars and I spent it on girls and shoes. But you don't want to be high like me, never really knowing why like me. You don't ever want to step off that roller coaster and be all alone. You don't want to ride the bus like this, never knowing who to trust like this. You don't want to be stuck up on that stage singing, all I know are sad songs. One of the greatest lines in the song that sums up exactly how Mike felt at the time and how the rest of the world perhaps viewed him was the line, I'm just a singer who already blew his shot. I get along with old timers because my name's a reminder of a pop song people forgot. 
Mike, of course, referring to the song Cooler Than Me, but goes on to confess how pathetic he is when it comes to opening up in relationships. He reveals he is guilty of never wanting anything more than a one-night stand, before telling people who think they might want to make it in the industry, like he did, that it's not worth it and they shouldn't aim to be anything like him. The way Mike sings about himself in this song shows just how low his self-esteem had become, but in a way, had brought him back down to earth, as he sounds ashamed of who he had become. As Mike's EP was just a moderate success, he was still flying under the radar and classed as a forgotten artist. But one day, Mike read a book that would prove to be instrumental and changed his whole outlook on what it meant to be a musician and an artist. This book was called The Art of Asking by Amanda Palmer. Mike said, I learned a lot of things from this book, but most importantly, I learned what my job is. Prior to reading The Art of Asking, as much as I like to deny it, my goals were mainly to stay afloat in the music industry, stay relevant and stay popular so people like me. But Palmer explained that an artist's job is not too different to a psychiatrist, in that they take on their own suffering and try to transform it into something beautiful. That's my job. Take on my suffering, take on yours, and make art out of it. I was using the art to serve myself, as opposed to using the art to serve others. Mike also learnt from the book about a thing called ninja shows, where artists perform free exclusive pop-up style shows straight after or before a paid gig in a nearby park or public area for those that missed out on tickets to their show. Mike then combined all of these methods and ideas from this book with those that he learned in another book called On the Road with Jack Kerouac. Mike decided to make the brave decision to travel with his band in a rented RV around the US performing completely free ninja shows for his fans with no paid shows whatsoever. He described them as having no merch, tickets, CDs or self-promotion, just some guys playing some songs. Mike was simply spreading the love and serving the art instead of himself, sharing his music without expecting anything in return. Mike wanted to be as close to his fans as possible and did away with barricades and raised stages that would usually separate the fans from the performer to instead provide a more intimate experience and be one with the people, not put himself up on a pedestal and act untouchable. Using social media, Mike would tweet out to his fans where exactly they would like him and his band to perform and Mike just followed his fans' lead and went anywhere they asked. While on the tour, his fans even brought Mike and his band food and water, as they were low on cash at times, due to running free shows of course. Mike and his bandmates slept on their fans' couches and showered at their houses as payment for their free shows, and the experience was a huge positive one for Mike, his band, and the fans. The ninja shows were small enough that Mike got to meet each and every person that came to his free shows. He felt like he finally found a purpose for his art and a way of connecting that was more real than anything he had done when charging his fans their hard-earned money and being a pop star. Mike said that while on the road, he got to hear the experiences of his fans and how his music had helped them get through tough times, with even some having his lyrics tattooed on their bodies. It was an eye-opening experience that enabled Mike to be with those that truly appreciated him as an artist and as a person and that they were there because he meant something to their lives and now he too felt more connected with his fans. When Mike wrapped up the Ninja Tour, it appeared to have so much of an impact on his outlook on life that he sold a lot of his expensive possessions that now seemed obsolete to him. These possessions included his two Porsches which he replaced with a Dodge conversion van. 
The van included a bed in the back, he put all of his essential items inside, and would live and sleep out of the van for a period of time, leaving LA for good. Whatever didn't fit in the van from his house, he donated. Mike then travelled to Utah to visit some friends, before heading to Burning Man in the Black Rock Desert in Nevada. He grew a large woolly beard, and wandered from place to place as a vagabond or drifter for around five or six months. Mike spent a lot of his time living in the mountains, escaping from the hustle and bustle of LA and the stress of the music industry, all while living off of his earnings from over the years, as well as what he got from selling his Porsches, which meant he didn't have to work and could just recharge his burnout battery. Mike was happier than he had been in a very long time and perhaps his whole life. He felt free and continued to make music and write songs with his guitar and keyboard by his side. While Mike was happy with his new lifestyle, he still wondered if it was possible to be a popular musician and have the life he was currently living and remain gracious. That's when Mike was contacted by a Norwegian production duo named Sieb, who were interested in his track I Took a Pill in Ibiza and wanted to remix it. On the 24th of July 2015, Mike Posner's career would completely change forever when Mike Posner and Sieb remixed I Took a Pill in Ibiza from an acoustic ballad to a dance track and it took off all around the world. Mike at the time of its release was still up in the mountains living his vagabond lifestyle when his manager sent him a text message and said you're number one in Norway. The track ended up going to number one in eight countries including the UK and made the top five in a massive 18 countries including Australia, Canada, New Zealand, the US and across Europe. It got mass airplay on radio all around the world and sold close to 5 million copies and has been streamed now over 1 billion times on Spotify with the music video eclipsing 1.3 billion views on YouTube. The music video sees Mike tripping out in a large paper mache head, but surprisingly enough, Mike actually wasn't the man under the large mask, as it was played by an actor, with Mike having little say on the video's production. Sieb's electro-pop dance remix perfectly captured the emotional and raw lyrics and message Mike was attempting to portray, making for the perfect mix for a smash hit. Sieb said about the track, quote, we got it from Matt Diarduni, VP and A&R, at Island Records. It was really slow, and we only listened to the vocals on it. Matt sent us the multi-track of Mike's new EP, and we picked Ibiza right away. Such a brilliant lyric and melody, but it needed a new soundscape to be a hit. Mike commented on the success of the remix version by saying, I wrote this sad thing, and it was me processing some dark and heavy emotion and now people seem to be having their own joyous memories out of my sadness. That's a very beautiful thing as an artist. The track was so successful, it went on to be nominated for a Grammy, and Mike found it ironic that the line, I'm just a singer who already blew his shot, now brought him a second chance in the industry. The song even brought about some controversy in Ibiza in Spain, with tourism officials being furious at the lyrics, suggesting there was a negative drug culture in Ibiza, even though there had been, as they were attempting to shake the culture. The officials said, We have invited the author of this song to discover Ibiza, because we have much more to offer, besides the nightlife, which is known worldwide. Mike responded through TMZ by stating, I portrayed their island as this party culture, which is part of it, but I'm sure there's much more, and I don't know about it. It's just what happened to me when I was there. Mike's career was suddenly back from the dead, as he stated, quote, My phone started ringing more. 
there were more interviews to conduct and more shows to play. Mike decided to continue on with a mentality that while he wanted to be popular, he wasn't going to care so much about making it onto radio. Rather, he was more concerned with connecting with his fans and making music for his own well-being and mental health. From 2015 to 2017, Mike toured with his band on the sarcastically titled The Legendary Mike Posner Band Tour, where he performed at sold-out venues around the US, and in 2016, he toured with Demi Lovato and Nick Jonas on the Future Now Tour. On the 6th of May 2016, Mike finally was able to release his second studio album after many years of mishaps. The album was called At Night Alone and featured eight new previously unreleased tracks, the four from the previous The Truth EP and six remixes. The album peaked at number six in Canada, 11 in Norway and 12 in the US, but sold poorly, barely making it to the 100,000 sales mark. It was clear from looking at the tracks closely that the best tracks from the album were released on the Truth EP, but this wouldn't be the end for Mike as he looked into other avenues of expressing his art. With Mike attempting to further his career in the industry, he was then called home to Detroit to be with his father, who had been diagnosed back in April 2016 with brain cancer and he had been quite ill. Mike helped care for his father, but on January 11, 2017, Mike's father John sadly passed away in his Southfield, Michigan family home, age 73. A devastated Mike sang the song First Day of My Life by Bright Eyes at his father's funeral at the Era Kaufman Chapel in Southfield, Michigan, in a warming and beautiful tribute to his father. With Mike recovering from the loss of his beloved father John, Mike next released a book of poetry called Teardrops and Balloons that was later turned into an audio poetry album, along with another poetry audio book called I Was Born in Detroit, on a very, 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 very cold day. And yes, that was the title. On the audiobook for Teardrops and Balloons, one particular track caught the attention of listeners, suggesting that Mike Posner was in fact bisexual, with the spoken word poetry track, Song with Pitbull, suggesting this. In the poem, Mike expresses his anger at his record label, suggesting he should do a track with Pitbull, with lyrics already pre-written by them, for Mike to sing along to, without supplying his own. He continues to list a number of things he wants to do before he dies, such as living in the mountains, as well as singing and skydiving, but one particular line reads, I want to have sex with men and women I haven't met yet. The interesting line, perhaps quietly suggesting Mike's sexuality. On the 24th of March 2017, Mike released an album with hip-hop artist Black Bear called Mansions. The album only made it to number 63 on the US charts and featured a track called Rich White Girls, but this also failed to be a success. The ups and downs would continue for Mike when just months after losing his father, Mike broke up with his girlfriend, who he was in a serious relationship with, and Mike's good friend Avicii had also passed away due to a drug and alcohol-related suicide. The Swedish DJ and producer was just 28 years old. Mike had spent time with Avicii just a month earlier as they worked on new music together. Mike was devastated by his friend Avicii's death and all the highs and lows since I took a pill in Ibiza just got a bit too much, prompting him to write a brilliant track titled Move On, which would feature on his third studio album that he had been working on. Mike would tweet about his friend Avicii much later in 2020 that the two had worked on many tracks together, stating... All these unfinished songs I have with Avicii on my computer makes me feel grateful and sad at the same time. 
As life was beginning to overwhelm Mike again, in true Forrest Gump style, he tweeted on the 4th of January 2019 that he would be walking around the US, beginning in March 2019, and stating that it would take nearly a year to complete. Quote, it will take most of my 31st year. Mike was especially driven to do the walk after his father and Avicii had passed away, even though he had been planning it for years, but now he felt it was the right time to really do it. Mike said, I started walking across America because I wanted to be someone I was proud of. Somebody said to me, who's your hero? Who inspires you? I want to be able to look at them in the eye and say, me. On January 18th, 2019, Mike released one of his most experimental and most revealing albums to date, called A Real Good Kid, despite it not being a commercial success. The first song is titled January 11th, 2017, which was written about the day Mike's father died, and includes some powerful lyrics that set the scene for the whole album, and read, I cleaned out your dresser, found some joints, my sister smoked them, I didn't see the point, and everyone keeps saying that I look just like you. Life don't seem so long anymore. The day my daddy died, I damn near quit the band. The day my daddy died, I held my mama's hand. I cried my tears then dried them up, put my face inside my hands. The day my daddy died, I became a man. The album continues to deliver with a brilliant quirky track titled Wide Open, which explores religion and relationships, as well as Mike realising he needs to treat women better in order to maintain a relationship. Another great track titled Song About You explores Mike's most recent breakup with his girlfriend, actress Christina Colonna. In the music video for the track, Mike can be seen meditating, while Mike's large headpiece prop from the I Took a Pill in Ibiza film clip burns in the background, suggesting a new beginning. The track Move On was the most successful from the album, has a calming flowing summer style beat and includes many brilliant lyrics which explore Mike's journey so far and leaving behind all the bad times and relationships for the better. As Mike sings, I wish Tracy Chapman was my friend, she would know exactly what to say. Beginnings always hide themselves in ends, at some point I will be okay. I got high when I met you, I got high to forget you, I feel pain. I don't want to, but I have to, if I want to move on. Finally on the album is the track Drip, which is a tribute to Mike's good friend, Avicii. Leading up to Mike Posner's walk around the US, he started to build up quite a following through the media, even landing an interview on CBS this morning, as he discussed his plans for the journey and why he was doing it. Then Mike had to make changes to the date of his walk, rescheduling for April rather than the planned date during March as he struggled with a foot injury. A long bearded Mike, dressed in a yellow reflective vest, a hat and sporting a hiking cane, set out on the 2,800 mile trek on the 15th of April 2019 in Ashbury Park, New Jersey from coast to coast. While on the road, Mike was accompanied by a support Fleetwood RV vehicle driven by his friend Colin that would assist him on his travels by driving ahead of Mike. Mike would sleep in the van of a night and return to the walk the very next day in the exact same spot where he had stopped. Mike kept his instruments with him in the RV and wrote songs while on the road, mostly on acoustic guitar, as well as filming music videos while on the go. He also meditated a lot, as well as doing yoga, and was even joined during some parts of the walk by followers and fans. When speaking with Time magazine, Mike summed up in a lot of detail what his schedule looked like. Quote, 
I'd wake up at 4am and meditate for 20 minutes, get stretched out, eat something, and get out the door as soon as possible. I'd typically be walking by 5.10am, I'd walk 8 miles, the first 8 miles were silent miles, a walking meditation, then I'd take a break. I walked supported, which means I wasn't backpacking, I had a friend who went ahead in a support vehicle, so at each break the vehicle would be waiting for me. It didn't drive next to me, when I walk, I walk alone. But at the breaks my stuff is there, I always like to make that clear, because there are many who do walk across America that way, and they're more badass than me. After the first 8 miles, I'd take a break, eat more, a lot of wood going in the furnace, then walk another 4 miles, take a break, walk another 4 miles, take a break, walk 6 more. That puts me at 26. Towards the very end I was starting to get 30 mile days pretty consistently. I like to be done at 5pm, with time to stretch, meditate, eat and be in bed by 7.30pm and I'd walk 6 days a week and take Thursdays off. Mike said that the highlight of the trip was walking 189 miles through the Navajo Nation located in the Arizona, Utah and New Mexico regions, which is a large stretch of desert that was occupied by the native Navajo Indian Americans. The walk through Navajo Nation took 10 days as Mike was joined by a native Indian American man to guide him through the area and teach Mike about respecting their people and the land. Mike was overwhelmed by the kindness of people on the road and even had time to stop along the way to take pictures with locals as they would ask for a selfie with the former pop star. Passers-by would even bring Mike water, food and gifts on his trip, keeping him well looked after and motivated. The road was a dangerous place however, as Mike revealed nearly every day, he had a close call with getting hit by a car. At the end of a long day walking, Mike would be extremely sore, sweaty and exhausted, but slowly built up more resistance as the walk went on. Most days his feet were in agony and blisters would build up on his feet. When questioned on what message you would like to send to others through the walk, Mike responded, quote, that you don't have to play by the rules. I'm supposed to record an album, two of the album, record an album, two of the album. I just said screw it, I'm going to walk across America. Lots of people told me not to do it, or it was a bad idea. Not good for my career, but there's never a good time to do what you want to do. Later in the year on the 7th of August, Mike's walk across America was halted when he stepped out of his team's support vehicle after stopping for a break and was bitten on the ankle by a baby rattlesnake in the flat plains of eastern Colorado. Due to being located in the middle of nowhere, being 30 miles from one town and 60 miles from another in the opposite direction, Mike had to be taken to the closest hospital in Colorado. Mike had been warned a few days prior that the rattlesnakes loved to hang around in the tall grass on the side of the road, and this time around, Mike had let his guard down to take a water break when it struck him, as he heard the rattle after being bit. A fan that had been joining him on his walk that day managed to pick up some mobile phone service and called 911 for Mike. Mike originally thought he would be fine to continue on his walk after a dose of anti-venom, but he underestimated the severity of the bite. Soon enough, Mike was drifting in and out of consciousness when the helicopter finally arrived and took him to a hospital in Colorado. He said, quote, It felt like the end of Looney Tunes where the circle gets smaller and smaller, like I was fading away. You know, that's all folks. When the operator told me that she didn't know if I would live, I thought, well this could be it for me. I really got to try out how that feels, dying. I got to think about the fragility of life, about how quickly this could all be over. But I forget that even now, 
how special it is to be alive. Mike was said to be extremely sick from the bite, and if left for longer, he could have died from the incident, with the doctor saying he could even lose a leg. Mike was rushed into the emergency room when they arrived and given his first dose of anti-venom, but due to a shortage, he was required to be airlifted to a second hospital for more treatment and recovery. His ankle was swollen up like a balloon and had a noticeable nasty bite mark for a while. Mike then underwent recovery for three weeks where he was required to train himself how to walk again using a walking frame. Mike returned home where he slowly built up his strength to walk again. Step by step he learnt to walk to the bathroom, then the kitchen, and then down the street. When he was finally back to his usual self, a determined Mike and his support crew drove back to the exact same spot where he was bitten on Highway 10 Colorado to resume his walk. Mike Posner returned to finish the walk just three weeks after being bitten, and while on the road, he had his fourth mixtape put out called Keep Going on the 9th of October 2019. Up to this point he hadn't bothered to promote his new mixtape much, and when questioned on why he didn't promote his new music, he said, I had nothing inside me that wanted to go to a radio station and try to convince them to play my song more than Ariana Grande. I didn't want to do incessant interviews to maximise my fame and income. I didn't have it in me to do that again. Ten days later, Mike finished the walk in Venice Beach, California on the 18th of October 2019. And when he arrived on the beach, Mike broke down in tears before jumping into the Pacific Ocean for a relieving swim. Mike had walked for six months and two days across 13 states for 2,851 miles. When Mike finished the trek on Venice Beach, his persona seemed very different to the man who had started the trip six months ago. He appeared more relaxed and grounded, with Mike explaining that it felt like a massive accomplishment and it was for sure one of the best moments of his life. However, Mike didn't rule out further more complicated journeys like this one. And when questioned on the subject, he said he felt like there's more inside him and that his journey has only just begun, with many more things he wants to cross off his list. When questioned by Time Magazine on why he went on the walk, he revealed that, I walk to become someone I'm actually proud of. Mike elaborated further claiming he also wanted to strengthen his mind and was quoted as saying, it would be crazy to complete this trip and not have some major self-growth. I spent a lot of my life trying to make things as comfortable as possible. In the walk, I was trying to do the opposite. What happens then is that you become a better, harder, more authentic version of yourself. It's easy for people to say to me, you know it's amazing how the body can adjust. It's true, but it's amazing to me that there are people willing to suffer to let the adjustment happen. It never gets easy. The whole way, it hurts but your mind gets better at dealing with things that aren't easy. That's a superpower. Most of us are so afraid of feeling pain or being uncomfortable that we try to rig our lives in a way that we never feel those things. Without knowing it, we live our lives inside a tiny sandbox, forgetting that there's a huge wide wonder world outside of that. Personally, I want to play on the monkey bars, go down the slide, leave the playground and see what else is out there. Maybe it sounds trite, but at some point, I realised every place was beautiful. New York, before there was a city, it must have been gorgeous. After you go into the woods or desert and you come back to the cities, you see how ugly a lot of the stuff we build is. While Mike's journey across America was truly inspiring, the mixtape Keep Going, on the other hand, might just be Mike's best release yet. 
The lyrics are quite poetic, and the tracks are very upbeat and inspiring, as Mike sings a lot about the triumphs and experiences on his walk across America, as well as where he is at with life, as it appears he is finally happy and content with what material he's putting out, and who he is as a person. Keep going was what Mike told himself through all the pain and negative thoughts in his head, telling him to give up on his walk. As Mike revealed in an interview, that he made up a contract in his mind with himself that he just couldn't give up and was determined to finish the walk, otherwise it would be all for nothing and a complete failure. Arguably the best track from Keep Going is the track Look What I've Become, as Mike speaks about the things that crossed his mind while on his walk, which is further portrayed in the music video for the track. The lyrics read, Walked across Ohio, took me 50 days, I talked to the stars, they were happy that I came, some days I'm a genius, Others I'm insane. There is something gorgeous underneath the pain. I can feel it lifting. I'm feeling good. I'm thinking about David from my old neighborhood. A warm and perfect white light in each of my cells. I used to be a pop singer. Now I am myself. The song is truly inspiring and reflects Mike has finally come to terms with his purpose as a person and a musician and has matured into a stronger songwriter through all of these experiences compared to his early days, writing senseless pop tracks about sex, drugs and fame like everybody else had been doing at the time. Mike continues with these themes throughout the album in the track Prince Arkeem, but he also mentions how his morals have changed in regards to women and how fame is no longer the primary goal, as he sings the lines, used to be a wannabe, now I'm what I wanted to be. Fake breasts and makeup, they don't turn me on. Life is a game, and yes, the journey's long. Growing my beard was just like me putting my jersey on. The track Legacy beautifully speaks about the legacy Mike feels he is building through finally making the music he's always meant to have created and is finally proud of his achievements. While the track Slow It Down speaks about Mike's battles with mental health, with crippling depression that often forced him to struggle to get out of bed, he questions his morals and says he needs to stop polluting his head with sex and violence and that he's come to the point he's at in life now through perseverance. Some of the best lines from the track detail these thoughts, as Mike sings, I'm in prison, and I think I built my own cell. I need to quit polluting my mind with sex and violence. The secret that I'm seeking was left in silence. Some days I can't get out of bed, crippled by negative thoughts inside my head. The track Amen speaks about how Mike was raised as an atheist, even though he thought it didn't feel right. But now after all his experiences, Mike now sees God as not some man in the sky, but instead a representation of love and life. Mike continues as he speaks about the effect of religion and judgments passed down on his family, friends and fans who are both alive and those that are no longer with us. As he believes the world will be a better place without discrimination against sexuality and judgment and that sometimes things happen that are beyond our control. The track Nothing Is Wrong mentions Mike's good friend Mac Miller, who also passed away, and speaks about Mike's regrets of how he used to treat women as objects, and how life has now changed him for the better these days, recognising that he is a beautiful person deep down, and doesn't need to conform no longer. While he also hints at the prospect of starting a family one day, and settling down, as he sings, I can worry I can overthink things. That's exactly when I tend to want to drink things tend to want to smoke things, till I realise there's nothing outside of me that kind of helped me grow wings. To love is very different than to own, let that sink in. 
I had to remind people I was still alive. I had to remind people of what's real inside. Yeah, I'm the took a pill and guy, but even more beautiful, with no pill inside. Old friends never tell me that I seem different, ashamed of the way I used to treat women. Objectifying, embarrassed but I'll never lie. Mac is dead, many more are dead inside. Hideous thoughts in this head of mine. I'll choose different ones. Life hit me in the face, but I didn't run. Perhaps Michigan will be the place my kids are from. In other tracks from the album, Mike included special voicemail messages from his mother, Aerosmith lead singer Steven Tyler, and Diddy, as they all express how proud, inspired, and excited they are of Mike for his trek across America. While the closing song on the album, A Lonely Night in Mexico Thinking About Big Sean and Avicii, is quite underrated, as Mike sings about missing his friend Big Sean and regretting not staying in touch with him, while he also sings about his good friend Avicii and how he misses him so much since he passed away. Mike continues to sing about his journey to accepting and loving himself as a person and throwing away the life of fame. His incredible lyrics mixed with the lonely melody of the beat allow the listener to enter Mike's shoes like you were there with him on his journey on a lonely night trekking across America. After Keep Going's release, Mike then released a popular standalone track called Live Before I Die about Mike's previous struggles with drugs and alcohol and giving them up through his newfound mindfulness on his walk across America and how much better off he is for it as he sings, I stopped smoking weed a year ago. Maybe I'm less cool now, I don't know. But I talk to pretty girls now, instead of sitting there all stoned. Yeah, I stopped smoking weed a year ago. During December 2020, Mike Posner released a surprise fourth studio album titled Operation Wake Up and a single titled Weaponry featuring Jesse J. In the music video, Mike can be seen shaving off his hair as he appears to be having a nervous breakdown as he shaves his hair so short that he actually begins to bleed which goes with the theme of another track on the album called Shave It All Off. While this was quite a rapid change from the man that just found himself by walking coast to coast, Mike included a disclaimer about the album stating, Operation Wake Up is a fictional story that blurs the line between reality and performance art. All characters and events in this album, even those based on real people, are entirely made up. Respectfully, anyone struggling with a mental illness should not listen to this album. In gratitude, MP, Mike Posner. The album is very dark and strange and sees Mike heading in a new direction, keeping his fans guessing. As the album progresses, the character falls deeper into a depression to the point of taking their own life at the end of the album. While Operation Wake Up was not his best work, it is very interesting and is simply a concept album that tells the narrative of a number of flawed characters with severe issues all living together in an LA mansion. Mike wrote and produced the album in Detroit in his parents' house basement back when his father was still alive but struggling with cancer. It's obvious it was written in a time where Mike himself was struggling in a dark period of his life and was in no way a representation of where he was at now in life, instead was a project that he had been wanting to release for a number of years. Despite being a fictional rap opera, Mike brings certain aspects of his own life into the songs, such as his previous struggles with fame, depression, and relationships, and suggests that some of the characters are in fact representative of Mike's former self, or a time where he was in a dark place. As he said, When I listen back to this album, I don't really understand how I made it. I just remember being in a basement in Detroit, and two weeks later, it was done. 
During early 2021, Mike released two standalone singles, the first being a feel-good tune called Mama Always Told Me, followed by another upbeat collaboration with Black Bear called Jealousy, suggesting that potentially a new album or EP could be on the way, with Mike giving off a new positive vibe. On March 30th, 2021, Mike Posner shocked the world once again when he announced that he was on his way to Nepal very soon to conquer another huge goal of his, to climb Mount Everest, the tallest mountain in the world. Mike had kept the news that he was training for Everest on the lowdown over the past 18 months or so, and he actually began training for the climb only two weeks after finishing his trek across America on or around the 1st of November 2019 when his mountaineering friend, Colin O'Brady, who was part of his support team on his walk, took Mike up to the summit of Mount Hood in the US, which had Mike wanting more. Mike was inspired to climb Everest after passing through the Rocky Mountains on his walk, fueling yet another desire or accomplishment he wanted to cross off his to-do list before he dies. Mike then trained alongside Dr. John Kradowski, who is a ski mountaineer, geographer and author who last climbed to the summit of Everest in 2012, and John would act as Mike's mentor and coach. Mike and John prepared for Everest by climbing mountains across America, Mexico, Pakistan and Ecuador as they built their mental and physical strength, as well as their endurance, with Mike summiting as many as 40 different mountains during their preparation. But Mike didn't just want to do it for himself, like he had done on his walk. Mike instead stated that he wanted to do it for others, as he said during an announcement video, quote, I want my climb to be about others. Before my dad died, he was a criminal defense attorney in Detroit for 40 years, and so I've chosen to dedicate my climb of Mount Everest to the Detroit Justice Center, because they're doing criminal justice reform work in my city that will make my dad beam with joy, and I'm really honored to be supporting them. On the 8th of April 2021, Mike Posner arrived at the airport in Nepal as he made his way around Kathmandu. Before Mike could begin the climb, Mike and John had to be COVID tested due to an outbreak at the time, as Mike had apparently violated the US State Department travel advisory that had warned US citizens of a massive COVID-19 outbreak in Nepal at the time. Mike wasn't going to let this stop him, however, as he began his journey teaming up with John and two Sherpas. Mike and John began a week-long preparation for the hike, as well as stopping by in some small villages before making his way to base camp on the 21st of April, after he struggled with some headaches and adjustments to the altitude. Mike was shocked to learn that the locals already knew of his music and continually requested him to play for them, which is exactly what he did in base camp for all the climbers. As the days went on, they acclimatised by climbing different mountains and slowly making their way up to the next camp at higher elevations. On the morning of the 1st of June, after close to 40 days of trekking up Mount Everest, Mike Posner posted to his Instagram stating, This morning at 4.35am, Dawa Cheering Sherpa, John Kudowski, Dawa Dorji Sherpa and Mike Posner summited Mount Everest. That's what I call a sunrise. We are now back at camp too, but not out of the woods until we descend to base camp tomorrow am. Please keep us in your prayers. What an incredible achievement for the 33-year-old, who with the help of sponsors and fans who donated, managed to raise their goal of $250,000 for the non-for-profit Detroit Criminal Justice Center, no doubt making his father and his home city proud. Mike Posner has come such a long way since the cocky 22-year-old that released the hit song Cooler Than Me back in 2010. 
Mike reached the top twice in his career, but realised it wasn't exactly where he wanted to be in life, and that there was so much more to the world than fame and fortune. Now at the age of 33, after much soul-searching, being froze out by his record label, and losing loved ones along the way, Mike has managed to find his own form of happiness and content. Mike says, I always wanted everyone to love me, probably because I didn't love myself enough. But now I realise that when you're an artist, you're making the music that's in your head and in your heart, and not for any other reason. Through his 2,851-mile trek across America, his near-death experience from a rattlesnake bite, losing his father, Avicii, his girlfriend, and his record deal, trekking up Mount Everest and performing free ninja shows across America, it all taught Mike about the importance of living for the moment, about strength and resilience, being grateful and humble and never giving up, and ultimately, these experiences evidently improved his overall ability as a musician and as a well-rounded person, as he opened his mind to the wonderful things life had to offer. Not only has Mike made himself and his family proud, but his fans have a newfound respect for the man he is today. Mike's story is truly inspiring, and perhaps is one of the most interesting and greatest stories of the modern day. Mike is definitely not done just yet, and there is still so much more to come from this underdog of the music industry, as one can only wonder what is next on his bucket list. Thank you all so much for joining me for the story of Mike Posner. I hope you enjoyed that one. I certainly thought that was one of the best stories I've covered so far. Don't forget to check out our other episodes from Season 1 and 2. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok and Twitter, and even YouTube and Spotify, where you can find a range of playlists of music videos and songs from every artist covered in Lyrics of Their Life podcast so far. You can also find us on our website at lyricsoftheirlife.com. If you really enjoy the podcast and would like to give back for the hard work that goes into it, it would be greatly appreciated if you could leave a review on iTunes, let your friends know about what they've been missing out on, and click the free subscribe button to the podcast so you can receive notifications when the new episode becomes available direct to you. If you would like to support the podcast at one step further, then feel free to head to our Patreon page where you can pledge your support. For as little as $1 a month, every bit of support is greatly appreciated and it means I can continue to bring you more great episodes in the future and I can continue doing what I love, talking about music. A link to our Patreon can be found in the show notes as well as buymeacoffee.com which is also another place where you can pledge your support. Once again, thank you all for listening. I'm your host Adam Hampton and this is Lyrics of Their Life.